Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're here with Dr. Ian Robertson, head of art business at the Sotheby's Institute of Art in London. He's also the author of numerous books on the art market, and he was actually my, my professor at the Sotheby's Institute when I was a student there. He's written a new book that just came out called New Art, New Market that explores several emerging contemporary art markets. It's available right now on Amazon.com and wherever else you get your books. Ian, it's so great to chat with you. How have you been? Yeah, not bad. It's been a while, Adam, isn't it? It has, absolutely. But it's really great uh, having you on to talk about your new book and uh, hope all is well with you. Um, yeah, so let me ask you first, why was it, as I said, you've written numerous books. Why was it important to write a new book now, specifically investigating different emerging contemporary art markets? Good question. I mean, the last one I wrote uh, was called A New Art from Emerging Markets, and I always thought that title was too long anyway. Uh, it just took too long to say, and it, it covered too much of the book. So uh, the other reason is, you know, 2000 and, um, 2011, when that book was released, Nothing had happened in the world that had happened since. In a, we've had Arab Spring. We've had the rise of Putin. We've had the rise of, uh, well, the continuing rise of China. Um, we've had a policy from China called One Belt, One Road, which is um, its ambition is to encircle the whole of um, uh, Asia, basically, including um, Central Asia in a, an economic and cultural um, offensive, really, in where I can describe it. And we've had changes of regime and government all over the world and, and and quite frankly the politics the economics of the world since perhaps it's a result of the crash in 2008 and the fallout um you in the united states have got a new a new president who's dramatically changed the direction of america in many ways um and all those things have conspired to help me in a way because uh the book had to be updated dramatically in in, in view of all these enormous systemic changes in the world. Um, so I shortened the title. Emerging markets no more. They're no longer emerging. They've very much arrived. They're new, but they're certainly not emerging. Now that's the background to the the second uh, edition of the uh, of the first book. And so what are the different markets specifically that you're looking at? Which uh, ge- geographies? Yeah, I mean, it's everything really outside Europe and America. I haven't included Africa simply because I don't know enough about it. It's, 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 it's what economists call a frontier market. Um, it, it's just we don't know how successful art from um, the continent will be. So I've left it out maybe for the next, the third edition. Um, we'll see what happens in the Congo and Nigeria and deep South Africa. Um, and they are growing just too early. So I kept uh, the Middle East, obviously, Persia, Iran, um, Pakistan and India. Um, um, China, of course, and now the new, the new, the big new challenge was South America, and uh, so there's a chapter on the, on these various states in South America as well. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was a student of yours, uh, kind of 2008, you know, there is so much attention in the art world on these emerging markets. I remember, you know, not only in school at Sotheby's, but you know, in the, uh, at the auctions, in the uh, press, there was always you know so many articles about. China, what was happening there, about India, about the Middle East, about Russia. And then, as you referenced, then we had the economic crisis and kind of all, you know, looking at those markets from the perspective of the US and Europe, all of those emerging markets 
kind of fell off and people really stopped paying close attention to them. So I think it's timely that you're writing this now because I think there isn't really that same level of attention on these emerging markets as there was a decade ago. So which markets are you feeling most bullish about now and which ones do you feel like you're most concerned about? Or I guess for these major markets, where are we in terms of uh, the status of those markets? That really is the $15 million question. I mean, the, the thing, we all thought China, and China was the driver of, it is still the driver of new markets, but uh, the thing about China now is that the price of Chinese art has gone up to the value now of Western art, um, Western contemporary art, you know, and, and the market in China is becoming quite stable. There's an internal market in China. So, you know, in terms of if you're a Western collector, I've got to look at it from the point of view of the West, I suppose, um, you know, the, 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 the upside of buying Chinese art is no longer there because the market is pretty much equivalent to Western market now. Um, India is still a long, long way to go. Uh, the downside of India is the infrastructure is, the cultural infrastructure is very slow um, in, uh, in, in growing at the moment. There's tentative efforts to build museums and things, a couple of private collections, museum collections, but, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Kochi Biennale, it's very slow. The Middle East, uh, unfortunately, is being hampered by, well, among other things, this internecine war, which is going on throughout most of the Levant and parts of North Africa. Um, so that, at the moment, is pretty, you know, in the doldrums, as is South America with the economic crisis in most of the states, including Brazil. Um, so you're looking for growth, really, in the, in the short term. People are looking now very closely, or I am anyway, Southeast Asia, India, um, you know, um, countries like, the Philippines, a lot of high net worth individuals now in the Philippines supporting their own art. Um, Thailand, um, growing from a very, very small base, and Vietnam. Um, so those are sort of the Southeast Asian markets and, um, and India, with a possible exception of Mexico, which, which I would probably add into the mix because it's got such a strong economy at the moment. Um, and those are the ones that I, mean, I think we're going to see the most growth. Yeah, I think it's another interesting aspect of this, um, I always felt, is that I remember, you know, a decade ago, going back to a decade ago, when we had we had these auctions, you know, these evening sale auctions, contemporary auctions in London and New York, we'd see a lot of these um, Chinese artists featured in them. We'd see some of these Indian artists featured in them, some Middle East artists featured in them. Now it feels like... Um, these auctions, these artists aren't seen as heavily in the New York and London auctions. They're um, kind of just featured in auctions in India or auctions in uh, Hong Kong or mainland China. I don't know. I'm curious. Do you have a sense if are these collectors in um, in U.S. and Europe, basically these Western collectors, are they collecting these? artists from emerging markets to the same extent? Is it, are, are you seeing more local collectors who are really embracing um, these markets? What are you seeing from a collecting perspective and who's collecting these types of artists? It's a fundamental point, just very, very good question, because it, it, this, is, this is what's happening at the moment. Um, you're absolutely right. Western collectors, particularly American collectors, are, are, looking, are not really looking at, at the new markets as closely as they once were. Part of that is because the prices are are going up. The second thing is access is, is anything getting harder, um, and and then also there's the evolution of the Hong Kong market, and so so much of the trade in Asia now is conducted out of um, 
regional hubs. Uh, Hong Kong's not really regional, it's almost international, but it is in Asia. Um, and as you, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, Mumbai is now pretty much the center for the third market in India. Delhi is probably the market for the, for the dealers. Um, and, and you're getting these regional centers, uh, or better than that, I mean, they're national centers, really, which are obviously much more likely to attract business from from local collectors. So the markets are becoming nationalized, um, not in terms of the government behind the markets, but in terms of becoming more nationally focused. And and I think the national collectors who have more purchasing power now are actually pushing out the international um, buyers who, you know, who once were the only buyers of that art uh, in, in the world. And so we're seeing a change in the patterns of collecting. Local collectors are, are collecting their own material. And in response to that, I think that material is changing a bit too. It's no longer the sort of material perhaps that Western collectors would want to buy. It's probably becoming a little bit opaque for them. Um, there's the rise of there's the rise of um, religiously focused art in India and certainly in the Middle East. Um, things are taste is changing as well within those regions to, you know, to accommodate the new collectors from those countries. I know each each market is different and unique in their own ways, but one thing you address in the book is the political stability in each market. Mm. Um, how does that have an impact on contemporary art and the development of the art market? Um, I mean, unless you're in a state of war, I don't think it matters what government you have. Um, obviously, the Middle East is, is, in, is pretty much a war. So this, this is led to a dramatic fall in the prices of modern and contemporary art from the region. Um, with Iran, in the case of Iran, of course, the real, the currency is pretty much, um, um, uh, or so it's so devalued now that it has pretty much little value at all. Um, equally, the Turkish lira. Um, now, so you have two things there. When you have political conflict, there's no trade really beyond an illicit trade. When you have an economic collapse, which is happening in Iran, and to some extent, financial collapse happening in Turkey at the moment, then somehow the, the art becomes more attractive because it's so much cheaper. So you might get a little bit of a boost to the market. Uh, international collectors see gaps and prices fall. So it's a sort of uh, collapse, perhaps, a sort of rise before the final um, collapse. In countries where the government is non-democratic or illiberal but stable, it has a pretty good effect on the market, I think. Um, China being the ob- obvious example, but any country, the Philippines as well, has you know it has a. As long as the government is stable, it, uh, the market operates uh, very, very effectively. Um, so there are these three conditions: um, financial collapse, which can encourage international collectors because the art is so cheap; um, internecine war, which means there's no market at all practically; um, and then there is this case, you know, the the non-liberal market, non-liberal political um, environment actually encourages stability and market stability, and, um, and that's certainly the case with China. And you also look at the government's role in actually developing art markets versus this just happening organically without government intervention. Um, I guess, you know, each place is different, but is there is there one that's method or approach you feel is preferred over maybe some of the others based on some of the things you've observed in different emerging markets? Again, that's a nuanced, quite nuanced question. I think if you do put the money into the cultural infrastructure, 
it does show dividends. Uh, markets which are fairly mature, like the Korean market, have undoubtedly benefited from enormous investment from the state in, in the cultural infrastructure. Qatar, UAE, but they're, they're not really national markets. They're sort of, um, in case of Qatar and UAE, probably you regard them as offshore training centers. Singapore, another one, Hong Kong. Um, but in the case of bigger, bigger countries like South Korea, and indeed more and more like China, yeah, it does make a difference. If you just let the market take off, you know, it's chaos theory. And unfortunately, India, and that's the issue with India at the moment, is that they haven't got an infrastructure to support um, a sort of um, uh, a gradual incremental increase in prices. They haven't got the validating institutions uh, in enough numbers, and they haven't got the dealers, the alpha dealers, to sort of generate sales um, and, and attract the right clients. So, yes, it is, it is still very, very significant. I would say one caveat, though, is that what I have tried to look at in the book as much as I can is that the alternative systems are beginning to come into these markets as well. So it may be that the museum validating institution, alpha galleries, auction houses, which we're so used to, um, that model may, may be nuanced in new markets. It may even slightly change. But it doesn't take away from the absolutely paramount um, um, necessity for governments to put some sort of support into the market. Ian, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us about your new book, New Art, New Market. It's really interesting to hear some of your thoughts about all these different emerging markets that we have going on in the art world. And um, it's very important for everyone to be following these and seeing how they develop. Um, and so for our listeners who want to check out Ian's book, you can do so. You can get it on Amazon.com or anywhere else you get books. Ian, thanks so much again. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Thanks a lot. Take care.